Now, Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello and a very good morning to you. The first Sunday of February, here we are with Scotland's talking. I'm Ali Bally. Good morning. On the programme between now and midday, with the news this morning that the Scottish Government is taking a look at the laws on the sales of fireworks, I'd like to hear your suggestions of what should be done. The Community Safety Minister, Ash Denham, says they're open to all ideas. Everything's on the table at this point. We just really want to hear what people think about how we should use fireworks, how they use fireworks at the moment. Nearly a year and a half after the first baby boxes were handed out to new mums and dads, how many of them have ever been used? There's going to be a review of how it's working. So tell me, what has been your experience? Is it just a waste of £35.5 million? And should we have to pay to park at work? Finance Secretary Derek Mackay has done a deal with the Scottish Greens to give councils the power to put a levy on office car parking spaces. And this is a topic best managed at the local level, enabling local authorities to manage congestion, air quality and local transport. So what do you make of that then? The phone lines are now open if you'd like to join us. 0333 2020 401. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. One subject that you've always had plenty to say over the years on Scotland's Talking. And finally, the government is going to be listening. I'm talking fireworks. As you have heard in the news this morning, they're announcing a consultation on the rules on the sales of fireworks. Ash Denham is Scotland's Community Safety Minister and she's been telling our political correspondent Alan Smith why they're doing it. We've seen a number of attacks on our firefighters, we've seen attacks on police as well and that's just not acceptable. Um, We've also seen harm done to property, sometimes to people and also to animals. So we want to ask people what their views are and how we should be using fireworks in Scotland. Of course, the, a lot of the restrictions over fireworks are still reserved. So does this kind of limit what the Scottish Government can do here? Well, we want people's views. So we are asking people if they think that, you know, for instance, um, the sale of fireworks should be banned outside of maybe organised displays. But you're quite right that much of the legislation around this is reserved to Westminster. But the results of the consultation will feed into that process and our ongoing discussions with the UK Government about how we use fireworks in Scotland. So if people came back to you in this consultation and overwhelmingly said we, we want fireworks banned from being on sale to the public, you would then go to Westminster? Well, there are options available for Scotland as well, so we control some of the legislation, so there are options in that for us. I think everything's on the table at this point. We just really want to hear what people think about how we should use fireworks, how they use fireworks at the moment. I mean, I absolutely love going to watch fireworks. I go to the festival every year and really enjoy it, as do many people. Um, But obviously there's a small minority that are misusing them. So we're also putting on engagement events as well for um, for people right across Scotland, and if they're interested in attending one of those, they can go to the Citizen Space website and they can find an event that's local to them. Yeah, because every year when it comes time for fireworks get rolled out we, we tend to see it all over social media people's kind of views and, and complaints so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're hoping that all those people that usually comment will get involved in this type of process instead Absolutely, we want as many people as possible to get involved in this and give the Scottish Government their views on fireworks Ash Denham is Scotland's Community Safety Minister talking there to our political correspondent Alan Smith So what would you like to see done? Of course, it, it's not a new issue Andrew Doherty from Glasgow has been telling us about what happened to him 50 years ago. I was about 13, 14, out playing with fireworks, even though I'd been more than not to. Um, firework. I got too close to one of the fireworks, exploded in my face, badly burning my eyes, both eyes. I was terrified to tell my mother because I'd been more than not to play with them. Eventually the pain got so bad I had to tell her. I got taken to hospital, the infirmary, and both eyes were badly burned. The consultant advised me that had I been a centimetre closer, I would have possibly lost my sight for life. As it was, I was basically blind for a week. I had patches on both eyes to try and um, an ointment in them, and I had to rely completely on my family to get me about for everything, take me to the toilet, get me dressed, undressed. Uh, It was the most horrific time ever. Um, I didn't know at the time whether I would lose my sight or not. It was only after I took the bandages off that I I had my sight back again. 
Um, it was an absolutely terrifying experience. Andrew Doherty with his experience with fireworks. Mark Stevenson is a former firefighter who founded the charity Scottish Burn Children's Club. And he joins us now. Mark, this must be good news for you. This is fantastic news that the uh, Scottish government once again wants to uh, kind of lead the way and, and challenge, you know, not so much challenge Westminster, but go a step beyond the current legislation. And, uh, you know, we're, we're immensely chuffed, uh, as, as a word to, to, to use, uh, that uh, Scottish children and the Scottish public perhaps are going to get protected before uh, full legislation across the UK gets uh, rolled out. So what is the charity's main aim? Our aim is uh, we help children up to the age of 18 who have sustained burn and scald injuries. We have a, a, a two-pronged, uh, a two-fold strategy. Uh, one is providing a network of support for the children and their families. And the second one is to play a key role in the reduction of such injuries by raising awareness of the problem. And obviously fireworks is just one of those areas. So we are, we are going to be... Uh, really want to get involved with this uh, with this discussion. Our community safety minister Ash there was talking about the um, you know we, we we know that there are the safe and organised um, fireworks displays uh, and then there are the others and and I'm with Ash on this one when she was talking about we've all read and heard about the attacks on on firemen and women who are out doing their jobs. Um, and, and this has to be, we're going to try and stop this. But uh, you are a former firefighter. Um, can you ever understand the mentality of you going to save people's lives and, and kids throwing bricks at you? No, I certainly don't. Uh, and I just, uh, uh, beggars belief, and for years and years, you know, the, the emergency services, the police, I mean, this is not just firemen getting attacked now. Police and ambulance people are also, they seem to become a target. That blue light becomes a target for some reason. And it's, it's down to social standing, uh, you know, and social understanding, you know, that, that there's, there's a breakdown somewhere that, that children seem to think that people who do good uh, in, their, in their communities all of a sudden become a target. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 you know, initially it was bricks and boulders. Now they're, they're putting, you know, there's clips of kids putting rockets into scaffolding poles and using them like surface-to-air missiles. Good grief. Ridiculous. It is when you, you know, I, I just don't, I don't get the mentality. As you're, you're right, you're saying it's not just uh, the fire service; uh, it is paramedics as well who are out there trying to to do a job and save people's lives, and then they get attacked. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. No, it doesn't. So, as far as your organisation are concerned, the Scottish Burned Children's Club, you say you want to get into uh, this conversation with with the Scottish government. Um, what would you be pushing for? What were you looking for then? Well, we've been campaigning. We're, we're very proud to have a young lad called Ben who was struck with a, a firework in his chest. An organised display, sadly, uh, an accident happened and he was struck in the chest by a rocket. And Ben came to us and wanted to stand up and show off his his wounds and scars and say, look, this has to stop. You know, the sale of fireworks is something that, you know, we want to try and control. Uh, we've, we've kind of realised that the retail machine is a lot bigger than we are. And, you know, trying to get these things stopped, a, it's, it's embedded in our culture now, you know, this, the celebration of a, a man that was trying to kill the Scottish king. Uh, you know, the, the fireworks are bought for birthday celebrations and New Year celebrations. We, we don't want to stop organised displays, but we want to try and prevent the sale to the general public. You know, uh, you know someone with a licence, you know, or, or a competence check, you know, that, 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 that shows that they have gone through some kind of... Uh, provisional check and, and, and understanding that they have a responsibility to, 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 to look after the people around them when they have these fireworks. Would that not then not be taking fireworks away from family celebrations? Perhaps. Perhaps in, in, the, in the way that you can walk in from the end of September to, the, to, to, to somewhere in the middle of November and buy a firework at one of the big retail stores and then keep it and store it in a damp cupboard or a, a damp hut until it's your child's birthday or something in the new year or sometime in February. Then you pull these fireworks out and all of a sudden they go wrong. Uh, so they should only be sale, for sale in, uh, at certain periods of the year and only licensed people should be good. You know, uh, someone in the general public could perhaps apply for a license online and go through a competence check.
Mm-hmm. Uh, and what about supermarkets? You know, I'm, I'm talking about not just um, any supermarket. You know, a lot of supermarkets do sell them round about um, that particular 5th of November date. Um, do you think they should really be on sale alongside your foods and your groceries and things? Most definitely not. Most definitely not. I would like to see perhaps one of the big retail uh, firms coming in and on this discussion and, and just show a bit of uh, responsibility and say, well, actually, we want to be the first retail, big retailer that says, well, actually, we're going to restrict the sale of fireworks and we're going to do it properly with the government's you know, uh, rubber stamp. Right, so they actually get in there and take a lead rather than being left behind. Very much so. There's, you know, the, I'm, throwing it, I'm throwing it out there. I'm inviting one of the big retail giants to come in and, uh, and sit beside us to, and, and sit with the Scottish government and say, well, yes, we want to be responsible in the community that we serve. I remember, um, I don't think it was last year, it might have been the year before on this programme, um, a caller just calling in and saying, you know, I would say, to, and I remember him saying, he says, I would say to supermarkets, do you really have to? You know, is it really necessary for, to, you know, for all the money that you're making over a month on fireworks? Is it really necessary? Please think again. I think, I think the, the reason they do it is because it's the, the public's, you know, the, you know there's, a, there's a demand there, mm-hmm. supplying that demand. But, you know, I, I think if there was a restriction uh, on the sale, I think the odd, the odd person would turn around and say, well, they're not available, so I'm not going to buy them. You know, they're not readily available. They're not in front of me. So, you know, they would think twice about, you know. I, but my, my, one of my local retail units, uh, I, I, was, I was abhorred when the last uh, firework uh, period, they were selling fireworks next to dog food and cat food. Mm, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, pets. Mm-hmm. Pets are as, you know, at, at risk as, as, as humans at this time of the year. So, you know, it can, uh, uh, you know, uh, a smile of irony was on my face, you know, that they hadn't thought about the display, where it was placed, you know. Uh, so there's not much thinking goes into it, I don't think. But, yeah, it would be great if uh, one of them became responsible enough and adult enough to stand up and say, well, actually, we're going to protect the community. Right. Mark, just just stay with us for a couple of seconds, um, if you can. Yep. Um, we'll invite calls now. Your views, I'd like to hear your views. Is is Mark taking too strong a view there, or or do you agree with him? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. Uh William Cherry. Hello, Willie. Good afternoon. Good, good morning, Ali. Hi, good evening to you. How are you doing? Ah, not bad. Good. I quite your... agree with the gentleman who, who was on the, the line a few minutes ago. Right. Uh, I would say definitely um make it tighter for the super, the retailers to sell fireworks to um members of the public. Right, so tougher legislation. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. And do you think the members of the public, would you take it as far as saying they shouldn't be able to buy them at all? That's correct. So a bit of support there, Mark, for you? Yeah, that's fantastic news. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's ten others out there that are going to disagree with us. But, uh, yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's common sense. In today's society, you know, we're, 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 we're really trying to protect the future of Scotland, and that future is protecting our children. You know, and that, this is a start with fireworks. Mm. And, and William, do you, is it something that you go out and buy, or is it a lot? No, to- I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, because I am a guide dog owner, Ali. Right. Okay. And my dog is absolutely terrified of fireworks. Every year, my dog is terrified. And do you have to keep the dog in? And I've got to keep the dog in. in. I don't. Yeah. I don't work my dog when it says fireworks. Which means you're trapped as well, then. Ah. Uh-huh. Indeed, right. Okay, William, thank you very much indeed for your call. That's uh, that's a good one, a good piece of support there for Mark. Um, We'll go to another call in a moment, but uh, Mark, in general terms then, um, we're looking at you would like to see a complete ban rather than just restrictions. Is that fair to say? A ban for sale of fireworks to the public. A full ban would be would be the way what we would request, but we're, we're conscious that we may have to take this in stages. Right. Let's see what Marjorie and Forfer's got to say. Marjorie, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Good morning. Your point? My point is, um, I am a guide dog owner. I've had guide dogs since 1981, and I had to retire two of my guide dogs early because of firework problems, and all of my working dogs have had a fear... Um, of fireworks. Now, three of them worked 
full term. Mm-hmm. But during the firework time, we were very reluctant to go out. The, you know, the dog was reluctant. And if he did hear any slight noise, he'd be looking, you know, and being a bit worried. Um, and it really is, it seems to have got worse over the last maybe five or six years. It's not just a couple of days running up to say Guy Fox or New Year. It's now, you know, a month, six weeks. And it can be quite a bit after New Year as well. And, you know, as regards my working dogs, obviously it limits my mobility pretty much, you know, over that time um, when all these fireworks are going off. And kids have no regard for, you know, animals in general, but obviously working dogs. And not being able to see, you suddenly hear a bang. So, of course, you jump, you react. It's perfectly natural to do that. So that then transfers to the dog. Um, and I certainly would be quite willing to do anything I could to you know, make the government listen. Well, I think that's a good view, Marjorie. Thank you very much indeed for that call. And there's two calls from guide dog owners, not just dogs, of course, that are affected, um, many animals. But um, I, I would think you, Mark, as, um, uh, as looking at the charity, the Scottish Burn Children's Club, uh, away from animals, we, we must look at the, the injuries that children receive as well. That must be up the top of the list there. Very much so. I mean, I, I, one of the things that we look at as well is that, you know, the cost to NHS Scotland, you know, I'm not quite sure what it's cost Ben over the last seven years he's been receiving treatment, what that actually, in pounds, shillings and pence, what that actually means to the cost to the NHS Scotland. So if we can uh, if we can prevent those injuries, you know, it allows, it frees up money to be used elsewhere uh, in our communities and, and the hospitals. Right. Well, thank you very much indeed for joining us, Mark. Um, and it'll be an interesting one to watch going forward now. As we say, uh, if you've just waked up and just switched on the radio, uh, in the news this morning, the Scottish Government are announcing a consultation on the rules on the sales of fireworks. And we'd like to hear your views as to which way that should go. Should it be a total ban? Should it just be um, restricted to certain times of the year or indeed as uh, Mark is saying there, should, should if you are going to buy fireworks, should you be an, a, for a, some sort of display? Am I correct, Mark, in saying that you, you're proposing that they should have taken some sort of safety course? Yeah, most definitely. An online competence uh, course that allows them to then uh, answer a, a whole range of questions and, ans- and answer those questions competently. Be issued with a certificate that then take to a, an onboard retailer who's in the system and uh, purchased their fireworks legally. Okay, Mark, thank you very much indeed. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, uh, keep your calls coming in on that one. O treble three twenty twenty four o one. You can also send your comments on an email. Email address is ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Text number is 61054. Start your message with Ali. Those are the ways you can get in touch and hashtag Scotland's Talking if you're on Twitter as well. And just before the break, you heard from Mark Stevenson, a former firefighter who has founded the charity Scottish Burn Children's Club. And uh, quite a few comments coming in on social media and on the phone lines as well. Love to hear from you. It is Scotland's talking. So if you want to talk, come on board. treble three twenty twenty four zero one is the number. Uh, Philip, hello. Good morning to you. Very good morning, Ali. Right then, what's your thoughts? Well, I've long been opposed to this uh, public sale of fireworks, and I'm glad that the Scottish government are now finally getting their heads round and listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're dealing with here is pyrotechnics, Ali. Um, you, you're not allowed to buy grenades. You're not allowed to buy dynamite. You're not allowed to buy nitroglycerin. So why are you allowed to buy fireworks? Why are they allowed to be sold just over the counter as well? I, I, interesting. I'd like to hear maybe from uh, a couple of shopkeepers because it's not just big supermarkets sell them. They've sort of taken them on board over the last few years and been selling them. But what about the, the smaller shopkeepers who see it as a, a, a bit of a boost to their profits around about November and December? Uh, if those were to disappear, would that affect them? Um, but you, you're right, Philip. You can just walk into a shop and buy them, can't you? Yes. Yeah. And it's yeah. Is it wrong or is it right? Well, I would leave it here. Obviously, with a small shopkeeper, right, they've got to try every means, you know, but I would ask these people in these small grocery shops, okay, fair enough, they've got to make a living, but but what about the human cost? Have they thought about that? 
they're selling these things that are potentially are explosives, mm-hmm. right? And they, they could be courting a disaster. Is that, you know, is, that, is that, though, Philip, is that the shopkeeper's responsibility? If they, if they, you know, if, if they can sell them, um, I think you used to actually have a shopkeeper had to have a license to sell them. I'm not sure if that's still the case. Um, but if, if they've got that license to sell them, is it really their responsibility if they get into the wrong hands? Uh, no, they've got... <coughs> sorry. Once, once the money's changed hands, like technically the, 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 the shopkeeper's responsibility <coughs> ceases, you see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really on the, it's the buyer, you know. No, they know that these things are potentially dangerous, right? It's up to them to uh, take care of them, you know. But you've got the other responsible clowns, you know, that they buy them. That, well, you can guess the rest, Ali, right? I just wonder how one of these small shopkeepers, or indeed one of the big ones, would would feel, would they have a conscience if, if someone was badly burned, if a child was badly burned by fireworks that had been sold over their counter? They probably don't think that at the time, Ali. Mm-hmm. Or they, they, they're putting profit first? Probably. Well, well, business is business, as they say. Indeed. What, what, they're, what they're actually you, you had an ex-fireman on there, right? Right. Now, you, you ask anybody in the fire service or who works in an A&E department what the busiest time of year is, and they'll tell you it's the 6th of November, the day after bonfire night. Mm-hmm. But at, as there's a couple of them just looking at social media comments now, there's a couple coming in saying that, yeah, that's fine, uh, November, but it used to just be November. Now it goes on over Christmas, New Year. And I'll read one out in a moment, which is just saying that there was fireworks being set off in their a park opposite their, their home uh, last night. So it just goes on and on, doesn't it? Because they are available all year. Yeah, well, if the, if the Scottish government passed a law banning the public sales, that would, that would apply to any time of the year, mm-hmm. not just uh, Guy Fox night. OK, Philip, thank you for your comments. If you've got one, 033 That's the number. Um, here's one that comes in. It says, as a father, I've done fireworks over the years, but always had the kids behind glass doors. Terrifying if it all goes wrong. Going forward, ban the sale and provide controlled displays around the country in football stadiums, in parks, or wherever. Thank you very much for that. And there's one here that says, uh, those of us that suffer with PTSD uh, live with the dread of fireworks. It's time to ban the use of them out with organised displays. And uh, the one I was talking about but um, in the park, here's one from Alan, and he says, we're now into February, and I was woken up with fireworks going off at 4.30 this morning in the park across from my home in the south side of Glasgow as I was last week as well. It can't go on. It's time to stop the sale of fireworks to the public. Thank you, Alan. And we're talking fireworks at the moment. Uh, as you may have heard in the news this morning, the Scottish Government's announcing a consultation on the rules on the sales of fireworks. And we're looking for you. What do you think the, this consultation should actually be looking at? What should they be saying? Is it a complete ban that you want? They're now going to listen to what the public have been saying. And you've been saying this various things on fireworks over the, the, the years here on this programme. Uh, we have been here for a few years now. <laughs> so if, if you uh, have a view that you think the Community Safety Minister and the team should be taking into consideration, then we'd love to hear from you. Uh, let's go back on the phones and we go to Joanne. Hi, Joanne. How are you? Oh, hi. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, good, good. Right. What's your thoughts then? My thoughts are that um, they should be licensed and it should be quite strict licensing um, so that we just have the um, regulated bonfires and fireworks and then people could be notified beforehand what time they start, what time they finish they could walk the dogs before they started because I have a dog, my son has a cat, and we have this problem, like the other people have said, it starts weeks before. You don't know when they're going to go off. And there's also consideration of elderly people mm-hmm. who go to bed early. I'm not saying all of them, but some. You know, they get woken up. I work in a supermarket, so I do speak to customers about this. And they get frightened. Right. And does the supermarket you work in sell fireworks? It does. It does, right. Um, 
Have they always done that? Is this something that's just happened over the last couple of years then? What's that, sorry? The Sell, selling of the fireworks. I think it, they've, they've all sold them, the big supermarkets. Right, yeah, I, I just thought the big supermarkets have sort of been um, starting to sell them in the main over the last two or three years. You know, f- five years ago, they weren't available really in supermarkets. You had to go to uh, little news agents, but they've become wider, they're, uh, widely, more widely. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm struggling on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think they've become more widely available, so they're being used um, more randomly now. Yes, yeah. I mean, it can be weeks before and suddenly, you know, they start going off. That's and right, yeah. Um, my dog is absolutely petrified. All the dogs I've ever had have been petrified. Okay. You know, and then he won't go out for the rest of the evening then. Um so yeah. in the in the main, it's the pets that you are concerned about, isn't it? It is for me personally yep, because yep. I'm massive animal lover. Right. Um, but it upsets me that you know elderly people have to get up because they're so frightened of the bangs near the house. They don't know if someone's going to put something through the letterbox. Just worries them all the time. Okay, thank you for your comments, uh, Joanne. I'm just looking at another couple more that have come in here. I think fireworks should be banned from public sale and just kept for the hands of trained pyrotechnics, those that can operate them. They always seem to get in the wrong hands, and let's face it, they are uh, explosives. Laura, true. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, let's go to Andrew. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Ali? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, fine. I'm just back from the Philippines after a three-week visit there again. Alan. Very nice. Fine you, and refreshed. And you, yes, all refreshed and back to the winter weather. Oh, God, yeah. I was delayed at Heathrow all day on Friday because I believed the problem was the ice up here. But you're never told too much, sadly. You just have to sit there and grin and bear it. That's and it. You just have to be patient and think, right, well... Yeah, but on to the fireworks. I agree. I would ban them. And not only that, Ali, why are we still celebrating a... A gunpowder plot that happened in 1605. I think we're past that. You know, I'm not quite sure why we still celebrate that either. You know, the, um, and and not only that, surely it's rather insulting to the the, the Catholic Church. You know, to to have this rubbed in their face every year by cretins that probably don't even know what the, the whole gunpowder plot thing meant. You know. There are, there are many councils across Scotland who yeah. and, and organisations who run their own fireworks display and bonfire nights on the, on the night, on yeah. the 5th of November. Would you then say to them they're wasting money and they should be stopping it? Undoubtedly. There's no need for it, Ali. I can just about put up with it maybe in Hogmanay night or something when you've got various other celebrations. And again... Fireworks only for licensed bodies, Ali, not for for young souls to run about terrifying the, the, the bejesus out the rest of us. And, um, you know, it, it sounds like a war zone sometimes on the, the 31st and the 1st uh, at that time of year here when they're all letting these things off. So, yeah, I mean, I would ban the whole Guy Fox thing and I would only have fireworks, Ali, for, for organised displays and say Hogmanay night or something like that. Okay, Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Right, um, another one here from Alison. I think fireworks displays are really good, but unfortunately very pricey. Uh, I feel more people would go to them, but as we are becoming uh, a poorer nation, people can afford the fireworks, not the better quality displays. I see you're talking about the ones that you've got to go to pay to actually see. Okay, Alison, thank you for that. And another one that says, uh, good morning, regarding fireworks, this is from Bill, regarding fireworks, I'd ban the sale of them to the general public. By all means, have organised displays conducted by trained people. Bill, thank you very much indeed. If you have a comment on the fireworks situation, and this follows on from the government announcing this morning that they are going to uh, run a consultation on the rules on the sales of fireworks. So far, on your calls, uh, you're making it quite clear that it should be banned for general sale to the public and only for organised displays. Uh, are you disagreeing with that? If you are, let me know. Treble 3 2020 401. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. OK, so here's another one that comes in that says, I can't talk for all retailers, but our local Tesco 
only sells fireworks one week before the 5th of November. They're kept separate from anywhere else in the shop and they're locked in a cupboard and are only sold by a few members of staff who are licensed to sell them. Thank you very much indeed, Eleanor, for uh, giving us that one. And here's one in from Brian. And Brian says, I'm a professional dog handler and I may have to retire my German Shepherd soon as a result of fireworks. He's absolutely terrified of them and as a result he suffers from regular seizures. A few months ago I helped promote a petition on social media in an attempt to have fireworks banned from the sale to the public and have them only made available for licensed organised displays and special events. The petition received 298,189 signatures and was debated in the UK Parliament at the end of November. More than 80% of these signatures come from the UK pet owners and animal lovers. However, the outcome of the debate resulted in no changes having been made to the current law whatsoever. Let's hope that the Scottish Government will give us some positive action on the sale of fireworks. Ban them from public sale. Says Brian. Thank you very much indeed, Brian, for your comment as well. Uh, some more that are coming in here. Uh, my husband and I are lucky enough to see the fireworks display from our back door on Guy Fawkes Night by the council who organises it. But what about the public? How can they? Uh, how can't they get into an organised display of fireworks? from Laura and Robert. Thank you. Well, it just uh, depends who's organising, doesn't it? And some of the councils do it free of charge. Other charities run fireworks displays to to raise money. Um, Here's one that says, uh, I think the fireworks should be banned from public sale and just kept for the hands of trained people. Uh, We've had that one a couple of times as well. So in general, that's what the the feeling is that we're getting, is that that certainly into the programme on social media and the calls, if the the government are going to be listening, um, and certainly from the uh, Scotland's Community Safety Minister who was on it earlier on, Ash Denham, certainly says the the government are going to be listening. They are now uh, going to have a consultation on what the public feel about the rules on the sales of fireworks. So uh, if you want to get involved in that, then please do to make your your comment as well. And earlier on, we heard from Mark Stevenson, former firefighter who founded the charity Scottish Burned Children's Club. And he says this is just what they've been waiting on. And they've been campaigning to make us have to take an online safety course and prove it before being able to buy fireworks. Uh, we'll keep that going if you, you've not commented and you would like to. Then love to hear from you. Here's the various ways you can get in contact. You can use the phone. It's 033-2020-401. You can send me a text. The text number 61054. But please remember, start your message with Ali. That's A-L-L-Y. That gets straight through to the programme. Email is ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. And we're on Twitter as well. Hashtag Scotland's Talking. Uh, also still to be talking about, uh, coming up in the next hour, how would you feel about me being made to pay to park at work? Now, many of you will be saying, well, I do anyway. I have to park in a car park in the, you know, if I work in a city, then I've got to park um, in, in car parks that cost me money. But... As part of a deal with the Scottish Greens to get his budget through Holyrood, Scotland's Finance Secretary Derek Mackay says councils will be given the powers to put a levy on staff car parking spaces. Okay, so if you have a space in an office or your works car park, this will exclude hospitals, seemingly, uh, should it therefore not exclude schools, or it could go on and exclude whatever. It will depend on each council how they see that they want to do it. Um, the figure of round about £400 a year per space um, will be, has been banded around. That works out about £8, nearly £8.50, I think, a week. So that's quite a bit of money over a month and over 12 months, about 400 not quid. So uh, what do you think of that? We'll be talking about that and getting comments in the next hour. And also, if you've had a newborn in the family in the last year and a half, I'd like to hear what your experience has been with the baby boxes. 
This is a scheme rolled out across Scotland where the parents of every child which is born are given a large cardboard box filled with various things that they're going to need. Handy things like towels and bibs and whatever. There's even a thermometer there. So, have you found this useful or are these boxes just gathering dust? Looking for your thoughts in the next hour on Scotland's Talking. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. So, how would you feel about made, being made to pay for your parking space at work? As part of a deal with the Scottish Greens to get his budget through Holyrood, Scotland's Finance Secretary Derek Mackay says councils will be given the powers to put a levy on staff car parking spaces. He says it's a way that local authorities can get more income without putting up the council tax anymore. And it could encourage more of us to switch to public transport. NHS buildings would be excluded, though. It's already been tried out in some English cities like Nottingham, where firms with more than 11 spaces are charged £415 per space per year. But it's the company which pays, not the workers. Unless, of course, the company passes the payment on to the workers, or the levy, I suppose. Uh, We know that the council in Edinburgh has already been looking at the idea. So are you in favour? We know our councils are short of money. This is a way, according to the finance secretary, of them making that money if they wish to. So there's, you know, there's no, um, you have to do this. It is there, much like the tourist tax, it is there if the councils want to do it. But what is the point in having a a tax-raising initiative available if you're not going to use it? So I would think many will try to use it. Do you take advantage of a free parking space at the moment? Why should you get that when other workers are feeding the meters or forking out for bus or train tickets? Rob Waller's been asking the Green MSP for the Highlands, John Finney, to justify it for Scotland's talking. This would be part of a suite of options that we would want local authorities to have to raise their own revenue. And the philosophy behind it is that, um, um, and this power has been available in England since 2000, um, at the moment only one council pursuing it, with another two looking at it, um, um, the idea is to basically discourage private car use and enhance the potential for public transport use. Um, and um, so, for instance, the, the authority, the comparator, um, it will be absolutely up to every individual authority to decide how they would want to organise it. But at the moment, Nottingham City Council, where are there, uh, they have 25,000 parking spaces uh, liable to, um, li- that they would be liable, they, they choose to levy it on the 11th space. So 10 commuter parking spaces are free and the 11th one is charged um, thereafter. And the issue of whether... It's the employer that would pick up on it or that would be passed on to employees is, again, a matter of... Um, but that raises, uh, for instance, um, about £10 million a year for Nottingham. And it's directed... These are things that are directed to enhancing public transport. Yes, I was going to pick up on that point there. As, as to who should be paying this levy, you know, sh- should it necessarily be the employee? Uh, not necessarily, no. Um, the, 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 I mean, the whole direction, if, if I say the importance of public transport, if we're committed to having good quality public transport, then one of the inhibitors to that is the efficiency of the buses. The buses are impacted upon because of congestion. Congestion itself causes uh, emission issues. You know, 40,000 a year in the UK die as a result of, of uh, poor air quality directly attributable to, to, to um, emissions. So um, there's a number of things that can come together to make this um, a, a, a very good option for a local authority to have. And uh, it should be about encouraging people to um, make better use of public transport and public transport being better because there's less vehicles about. John, I have to be at my desk at five o'clock every morning. Should I have mm-hmm. to pay to park my car outside the radio station? I'm sorry you have such an early start. Um, I think this is where the flexibility needs to be built in because, for instance, there are people who have a, a prerequisite that they have their vehicle at their work for use by their work. I think these are all things, the fine print of that um, is to be worked out um, 
and discretion given to local authorities. What this shouldn't be about is more imposition from central government. This is about providing an option for local authorities to design a scheme and implement a scheme that best suits their circumstances. And it may well be, and there are some places where you can get a bus at that time of day, um, that um, monies directed from that will enhance public transport opportunities. So um, it, it may be a, a slow process, but um, there are certainly opportunities. So, for instance, um, in Nottingham, since 2005, there's been a 33% reduction in carbon, carbon emissions. That's, that's really good. That's really good. A third of an increase in cycle trips. Now, not everyone can cycle. Absolutely accept that. This is about providing local authorities with an option to design as they see fit. Mm. OK, I'm not sold on it, but what about you? Uh, John Finney uh, talking there to, to Rob Waller. He's the Green MSP. Uh, John Finney is, of course, not Rob Waller. Uh, for the Highlands and justifying or trying to justify um, the extra parking uh, or paying for parking at a, a parking space at work. What do you think? Is it the right way to go? Is it the wrong way to go? Uh, I, I think, you know... There's an awful lot of detail has to be going into there because, as uh, Rob said, if he's going to be at work at five o'clock in the morning from where he lives, there's no chance of getting a bus. Um, same with me. There would be no chance of getting a bus if I had to be in here early in the morning. There must be thousands upon thousands of other people in the same situation that they can't get public transport. So it might be great for big cities, but what about the rural areas? What are your thoughts O treble three twenty twenty four oh one is the number. Should you be paying for um, a, a, a parking space outside your work, and why not? Is the other argument when people working in the cities have to feed parking meters or fork out for bus or train tickets? And again, um, John Finney made it a couple of times there a point that we have to have reliable public transport. Don't think we have that at the moment. Your thoughts then. Text 61054 if you have a comment you want to make. Give me a call. 0333 2020 uh, You can email ali or as always, hashtag Scotland's Talking. Let's go to Struan. Hello, Struan. How are you? Spitting feathers, Ali. Spitting, Spitting feathers. feathers. Oh, Why? I, Why? Just the lunacy of these green policies... We've got, what is it, 20% of the population of Scotland lives in the central belt where it may be considered appropriate. So they're talking about introducing a tax for the whole country, dependent on the local councils, which is massively inappropriate. I presume that your listeners are already aware of the fact that it was only within the last five years that local councils introduced business rates on parking spaces. Were you aware of that? I wasn't, no. So they're now introducing an additional tax on exactly the same space. But does it not come down... Where are you, Struan? I'm in the Highlands. You're in the Highlands, right. Okay. Is it something that realistically Highland Council could introduce, though? Of course they could introduce it, because the parking areas are in such rural locations that they're easily identifiable, and there's no other way that you can get to those workplace parking spaces other than by car sharing or taking your own car, because the public transport network is just pathetic. Well, that, that's what I was and coming to. And not feel that cars are already massively taxed, and if they were using those revenues to put them into the public service, public transport sector in the first place, we wouldn't be having this problem. But, of course, they don't put the car revenue taxes into the expenditure on the public transport. It's just robbery. There's no two ways about it. And you know how politicians absolutely hate having a bad name applied to a new tax? Well, there's nothing... There's no other name for this than the Dick Turpin tax. Yes, at least he wore a mask, as they would say. Uh, well, you wonder what hats and masks our politicians wear nowadays. And I think it's absolutely scandalous that Holyrood, 
should try and pass the bad the bad guy uh, collection revenue to the local councils. And that's really what they've done here, isn't oh, it? Oh yes, yes, yeah. Without uh-huh. them. right. So, would you rather then in the, the the budgets that had to be set and the the um, the merry-go-round that they were going round there, and will he get it through? Will he not get it through? Which is um, like a stage pantomime every time he's going to do yes. this. Um, would you rather that he just said, right, okay, uh, I, it, to give the services that the people obviously want in the local authorities, I have to give more more money to the local authorities, which means everybody has to be taxed more. Well, I would have thought the first place to look at are the, the massively inflated salaries and benefits and packages that the managerial sector of all councils get. I mean, they're, they're massively overpaid, in my opinion, for what they actually are able to provide. But they, these are areas that really the finance secretary couldn't touch because they have been negotiated for many years. They're negotiated through COSLA. So it's not something, it's not an easy fix doing it this way, is it? Doing it that way. Whereas saying to the councils, right, there's a couple of ways you can raise tax if you want to, that is an easy fix because it's passing the buck. It's an easy fix to introduce a tax on the worker at £400 a year or thereabouts for people that go to work at hotels, distilleries, golf clubs, engineering companies or supermarkets. Mm-hmm. So all of those people, I mean, the, 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 the businesses or the companies, they may well decide to absorb the costs themselves. I would strongly discourage them from doing that. I think they should pass the uh, additional tax levy onto the employee and they can register their absolute disgust and displeasure at the ballot box. I mean, once a tax is introduced, it is never withdrawn. So unless people that commute to work get in touch with their local councillor or their MSP and register their disgust at this additional tax on a mode of transport which is already heavily taxed and as those revenues are not put back into the system then people are going to get stuck with it okay Struan, thank you very much for your comments there uh Struan in the highlands i'm just looking at one from a comment from liz in dumfries and galloway she says are you having a laugh the public transport system in dumfries and galloway is not fit for purpose how about the scottish government getting that sorted out sometime soon I won't hold my breath. Thank you very much indeed, Liz. If you've got a comment on this parking situation, then give us a call. 0333-2020-401 is the number. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. We'll continue talking about fireworks and car parking uh, in a moment, but I also want your opinions on this today. If you've had a newborn in the family in the last year, last year and a half, actually, it was 18 months, uh, I'd like to hear what your experience has been of the baby boxes. Now, this is a scheme rolled out across Scotland where the parents of every child which is born are given a large cardboard box filled with clothes, uh, handy things like towels and bibs. It's basically to give the the family and that child a good start off. There's even a thermometer so you can check on the baby's temperature. But the big idea is that the box can be used as an alternative to a cot. Now, the scheme is costed at £35.5 million over the four years. And now we're 18 months into the Scottish Government, well, the, into this scheme, the Scottish Government is going to launch a review on how it's working. All right? They're going to have a look at it and say, is this value for money? Is it working? So, have you or someone you know received one? Was it useful? Did you use it? Or is it just gathering dust somewhere? What's your view of this baby box and its contents? Or treble three twenty twenty. 
401 is the number if you have a, com- a comment on that. As I say, it might be um, somebody in the family, it might be your daughter your, uh, who's had a baby, your grandchild or whatever. Uh, you may have had two or three kids, so you've had one in the last 18 months that got the baby box and others that haven't. Has it been uh, useful to you? That's what I want to find out. Give me a call. O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. Natasha Earl runs the charity Birth Baby and Beyond and that charity has a shop in Glasgow. Natasha joins us now. Natasha, good morning. Morning, Ali. Right, so what's the charity about then? Tell me about that first of all. So Birth Baby and Beyond is a children's charity based in the Partick area of Glasgow. Um the charity was founded in two thousand and twelve, um at the time the time that I had my second child. Um it was founded because I noticed a huge gap um, in the support available to families um, when they first had a baby and possibly when they're facing financial hardship. Um, the charity um, currently works in partnership with a large number of parent and child organisations located across Glasgow and Greater Glasgow, um, and these organisations identify a family in need and refer it to Birth Baby and Beyond. Um, at that point, our volunteers that work through the charity um, provide the family with what we call a starter pack um, of essential baby and child items. Um, these items are, for example, a cot, a pram, a Moses basket. Can all, it always contains clothing, feeding equipment, um, a baby carrier, um, essentials for mum if they're required. So it's a huge amount of items, mm. um, and they're done. They're basically um, collected via donations, but also we. We fundraise to purchase new items to put in the packs as well. So the families do have a good variety of items that they can use from birth to about kind of one year for the clothing and possibly up to three years for the pram. Um, also the cot if it's a toddler bed. Um, so it's quite a large amount of, of items that they receive. And they also receive these items free of charge. Um, Must be a fair, ma- fair amount of fundraising you've got to do <laughs> to keep that going. It is, yeah. I mean... It's all done through donations, so without our donations of baby essential items, we couldn't run our charity. Um, we have been fortunate to have very good sponsors in the past that have um, chosen our charity to fundraise on behalf of, and that's how we're able to purchase new items to put in the starter packs. But the, the additional items, the, the, the second-hand items, are all in fantastic condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is because of the fantastic amount of donations that our charity receives, it allows us to provide this type of service. So you provide a mum in need, or a dad in need, mm-hmm. whichever, you provide them with a cot and the government provide them with a cardboard box? <laughs> yeah, well, basically, we were founded, in, we found, our charity was founded in 2012. We noticed in 2014 a huge increase in the number of people applying for our service. Um, and then, obviously, the boxes were kind of as of uh, 15th of August 2017, babies due that during that time and after would be able to receive a box. Um, now, I have three children and my third child was born in October 2017, so I, I received a box. Um, and the boxes are designed to be as a, as a sleeping area for the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are on based on the finished boxes that are have the same idea. Um, now... The boxes, we, we've, we speak to parents nearly every day about, you know, the experiences with the boxes and also we've spoke to thousands of parents before on what they need when they first have their baby if they're struggling financially. And I think at the time that the, the, the kind of um, the boxes were launched, there was 62%. It was estimated that 62% of parents wouldn't use the box as a cot. Um, I think the main sole idea was to try and use the box as a cot to reduce that cost um, and to give a safe sleeping area. And given there is families that have used the cot, they've used the box, sorry, as a sleeping area, as a, some form of cot. But a lot of them families we've found have used it at the grandparents as an extra, or they haven't used it for somewhere to put the baby to sleep in. But they've used it um, to store the baby items that they have in it. So, sorry to answer your original question, we do provide a cot um, in all of our starter packs. Also, normally with a, a Moses basket as well um, for the families. Right. Um... Hands up here, because I'll I'll say we're guilty. Uh, As grandparents, we were given this box to put in our garage um, in case it's needed when um, the latest grandchild came to stay over and it's never moved out the garage. But uh, that's not saying that it's not useful because um, the feedback I got is that all the items in the, the box were used and 
uh, were, were very welcomed. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, like I say, I received the box and I was excited to receive it. And like most parents that have received the boxes, it was it was a special memory and the, the kind of, you know, when their babies were born, it's something new. I think a lot of people, a lot of families in Scotland um, that are entitled to these boxes also feel they should be entitled to something because um, they're maybe not entitled to other, anything or other things from the government. Everybody's situation is different. But I think that there's, there's that thought of the box is, it's, it's a really nice idea. It's a really nice gesture. The contents in the box are useful. Um, but some of the feedback that we've had from families, um, some of it recent, some of it, you know, over the, the kind of 18 months that the, the boxes have been about, is that some, some families had expressed concerns on the size of the box um, to put a baby in um, and that they thought possibly it could be shallower, it could be made from a different material, possibly a clear material, so you could kind of see in the box from an angle rather than looking over the box. Um, the items in the box are good. I was happy with the items that I got, but mm-hmm. there, has been suggest- there has been suggestions of more reusable items such as breast pads, nappies, things that continuously cost money throughout the duration of you know, the baby's first year. Um, other families said that they would have rathered the money because some of the items in the box they didn't need um, and they could have reduced the costs of the box for the government if they were able to opt out of certain items or if they were able to receive some funds to what they were specifically looking for. Um, so there's a, the, the, the contents of the box generally, you know, there's been a great reception to them, but what we found as a charity is that we've received hundreds of, of these boxes as donations from, you know, parents who are really wanting to do something good. They want to give this box over to say, you know, we don't need it, we don't need the contents in it at this point have the box and what we found is that most of the boxes are completely as they would be when they were delivered to the family. Really? Yeah. So yeah. you you're getting them given to you for the to sell in the shop then? No, not to sell in the shop. What we're doing is we're getting families are, are, are trying to do something good to give us the box thinking that we would then give it to families in need that we work with. Right. Okay. But because um they are a government as the government boxes, we haven't. Um, we basically stored all the boxes that we've been given from families looking to donate, and we've stored all the individual items from the boxes. And we can't. We've got a warehouse where they are currently being stored. Um, and we were hoping that when a review is done, or maybe you know even halfway through the four years at the two-year mark, that we could look into kind of um, evaluating how we found the boxes as well, um, and and kind of collecting everybody's thoughts and ideas, and, and hopefully trying to you know, um, have a bit more information to pass over. So how many of these boxes have you got then? Okay, so we've probably got, I mean, we, we get a box, we get box item donated six days out of seven. Um, we currently have bags under our, our counter in the shop where we put all the baby box uh, donations equipment in. The main boxes themselves, so we've probably got just under 300 boxes. Now, I know based on, I think the approximate number of boxes that were given out in the first year was 52,000. So people may say 300 That's and that. Lot, it's a yeah. drop in the ocean. And they could be right to say that, but the thing that we've realised is that we've also got a, a huge amount of the contents of the boxes um, that are you know haven't been used and unopened. And <clears throat> I think that um, maybe the people that have donated it to our charity have thought that they could use it and maybe just felt that they don't need it and it's better to pass it on, which is a great way to do it. Um, but it's still, for us, for just being in Glasgow and being a local charity, we do. There is a lot of boxes for us to be receiving, um, based right. on the you know the fact that families can opt in or opt out. Mm-hmm. Hang on there, Natasha, because um, Audrey's phoned in. Uh, Audrey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, tell us about you and your organisation then. Um, well, I'm actually founder service manager of Glasgow's number one baby and family support service. And just like Natasha at Birth Baby and Beyond, we do get the boxes donated also. Um, we're slightly different in terms of we work with people in hardship and working poverty. So we actually accept self-referrals as well as professional referrals from the NHS and social work and various things. In order to have a self-referral made, we visit the clients. And what we are finding a lot of the time is when we're going into the houses, the boxes are kind of... They're, they're used as, like, pet beds and, you know, storage boxes and right. the kids are going up and down the coast in them. they but just these parents that we are dealing with are, you know, that they're, they're in real poverty, and a box to them really it doesn't justify, you know, the amount of money that's been spent on it. These parents are, you know, their claims are you can't take your baby for a walk in the box, you can't bath your baby in the box, 
you're only likely to be asleep in the box temporarily. The, the advice from the National Court Death Society is that you don't let the baby sleep overnight in the box. So, you know, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't fit their needs as such. So, um, if if they, sorry to interrupt there, Audrey, I'm just, no, no. just while this is going on, I'm thinking, are we better without the boxes, but giving the new mums and dads the contents? Well, to be fair, um, the amount of money that's been spent on it, I think it's pretty misleading to say that you get in the box with, that's worth £160. It's not. We actually costed the contents of the box, and it was nowhere near £160, to be fair. So within that £160, they're also taking into consideration, you know, the advertising, the production line, the wages of the people that's putting them together. It, you're not actually getting a box with £160 worth right. of contents okay. in it. You know, there's a lot more involved in that £160 than what you're actually receiving. And we just feel, for instance, we, we give out baby packs, we give out baby clothing packs, and we give out um, baby equipment packs as well. And we did a costing um, of them at baseline prices. So that basically means we have priced what the contents of what we would put in a baby pack um, against the cheapest shops that we could find within Scotland that would supply these things. Now, our baby packs, the clothing pack, is it's accumulating to the cost of £89. And the baby goods pack is accumulating to £345. Now, we're doing this via charge because we're accepting donations from the public. So, in, it, in 24 months, in our 24 months of operation, in total, um, to the City of Glasgow, we've given out £851,542 worth of goods. And we, it's not mm. cost us a penny. Yeah, yeah. So if we can do that free of charge, and we're giving them all the essentials that they need, that they can take the baby a walk in, they can bath the baby, they can lead the baby to sleep in it overnight. Why is the government spending thirty five million on right. something, you know, that's got limited use, mm. um, and it's for very few people really because people aren't getting what they need out that money, you know, the money that's yep. spent on it. Natasha. Yep. In, in, in a word, then, the scheme has cost £35.5 million, or it will cost over the four years. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it? Will you, what will you be telling the Scottish Government? We don't think that that huge cost is worth it, no. We feel that, that, money, that part of that money could be better spent on helping families um, in, in serious um, kind of poverty situations. And we also feel that, for example, I'll just we had some feedback that was quite positive to think that, you know, a lot of families that are struggling to get back to work for childcare, for example, money could get spent on that as well. So we work with families facing severe financial hardship, but also working families. So we work with a huge variety of families. Mm-hmm. So we're getting views from families that are in severe poverty and families that are trying to simply pay the bills to be at work. So I think we could kind of span it out over a kind of a variety of different families and people um, albeit I, I, do, I will say on behalf of the public that we spoke to, on behalf of the families, they, are ha- they, they do like the boxes and they are happy with them. But I think when you look at the costs and the figures and what possibly that might be able to do for people that we work with, like Birth Baby and Beyond, working with people in serious poverty, but also working families, I think there's more conversations to be had on the matter. Natasha, thank you very much indeed. Audrey, thank you to you as well for calling in on that subject. So um, both thinking there, I think it's fair to say that the money could be spent in a better way. What is your thoughts? Have you received one? Do you agree with uh, Audrey and Natasha the money could be better spent or has it been a a welcome uh, addition to the things that you needed? Have you used them? Scotland's Talking, the podcast. On Scotland Sokin this morning, we've been looking at the fact that the Scottish Government is now going to have a review on the sale of fireworks, looking at the laws of the sales of fireworks. And uh, quite a few comments coming in about that, so we shall uh, run through some of them in a moment. And also we've been talking about parking and the fact that uh, you may be be asked to pay to park at work. That was uh, part of the deal the Scottish Greens uh, carried out to to get the budget through um, this year. And and Derek Mackay uh, siding with them on that. And coming up with the fact that you've got to, the, the local councils will be able to charged for parking. Loads of comments on that. And also, of course, we had uh, the story there about the, the baby boxes and the money that's been spent on them. 
Uh, let me just say that here's one that comes in that says, uh, Ali, if people can't afford the basics for their newborns, should they be having children? Since when was the responsibility of raising families been down to charities or governments? This only encourages dependency and the money would be better spent promoting self-accountability and responsible family planning. Thank you very much for that. Uh, and let's go on to the car parking situation. Here's one in from Janice, and Janice says, it's the double standards of the politicians and the like that I can't stand. They're chauffeured around in what is deemed to be treasury vehicles, which is basically a benefit in kind, but of course are so-called so that they do not have to pay taxes. We, Joe Public, are taxed to the hilt on our vehicles. Road tax, benefiting kind tax for having a company vehicle in the first place. Chauffeur tax, if you're lucky enough to have a chauffeur, and now car part tax. If you had to pay them, it would all change. You can bet your boots if the politicians had to pay them. I see what you're saying there, right? What next? A tax for parking your car in your own drive because everyone doesn't have Home parking. Thank you, Janice, for taking the time to to get that one in there. Um, fireworks. One in from Liz. Liz says that uh, morning, Ali. Uh, we'd like to start off. Think organised fireworks displays would be the safest way to go. The reason being that fireworks are becoming more and more dangerous by the size, and they're getting larger, and they become also uh, very dangerous. Also, on the subject of dogs that are terrified of them, it might be a good idea in, to introduce uh, a a puppy to all different noises, including fireworks, so they will be used to them. Thank you for that. Uh, one in from um, Davy says uh, there should be a complete ban on fireworks as they get discharged in public places, which is an offence in itself. It should be private land or not at all. Uh, car parking, uh, one that says my daughter works for the emergency services. Um, how does she get home safely at night? Well, as we say, this would not apply to uh, health uh, board properties. Uh, just one question, Ali. Uh, will the councillors have to pay for this parking fee tax without claiming it back on their expenses? And uh, One in from Davey says, uh, I'll be looking out my P45, I think, as there's no point in working if we have to pay for parking at work. I just can't manage on my wages as it is. If it gets passed on to me, then... I'm, I'm snookered. Thank you very much for that. That's it for Scotland's talking today. Lots more comments coming in there, but we'll run out of time. Uh, as always, thank you very much indeed to Rob Waller, who produced the programme, and to Garden, who's been on the phones today. I'm Ali Bally. Today Talking is back with you. Scotland's talking, I should say, is back with you next Sunday morning from 10. Hopefully you'll join me then. Until then, have a good week. <laughs>